Hello, Acaville fans, and welcome to Tacapella. I am one of your co-hosts, John Lampus. And I am the other co-host, Brian Alexander. So you have to... We started doing this, like, where... So Brian and I are not in the same place, as anyone who's listened to the show before knows. So there's always this... I've been trying to just say, like, I say it, and then Brian just comes in after me, or vice versa, and neither of us have gotten the timing down on this yet, or, like, how we're supposed to be doing it. So there's a lot of, like... I'll say something in this voice and then look at Brian expectantly through the Skype camera, hoping he gets my like psychic cue that he start to start talking. Normally I'm really good about picking up those things, but I think it's just the holidays are just concluded and my mind is just like, uh, why is he looking at me all weird? So like what's going on? (laughs) I get that. You know, things are going good. I just had some noodles as I generally do before recording. It's the first time I've had them in a while. And I think I think I might retire going to uh you know going to Noodles and Company as a pre-show tradition because I I think I had too much of their pad thai because it's pad thai from Noodles and Company not like an actual Thai restaurant and I'm like you know what feeling a little little overfull I think I can uh, I think I can set this aside as as a must before every recording it's literally the least interesting thing <laughs> happening in my life right now but it's one that's really at the forefront but I was getting so used to it being your thing now so I know I, just every I week talking I'm like all right we got two minutes of John talking about noodles <laughs> before we can actually talk about what the show's I'm about sure but you know it's fine it, so you know I I don't know Listeners, if you have enjoyed listening to me talk about noodles, please tweet us. Let us know. Uh, you'll get to find out Brian's cool new Twitter handle at the end. Uh, it's it's a really good. I was really I really like his new Twitter handle, but we're not going to tell you to the very end. Um, Brian, man, how was how were your holidays? Holidays were great. You know, I got to do a lot of traveling, um, spent some time seeing family about a few hours away, and then we also did a little cross country excursion. The wife and I oh. uh, to go see her family and. Kentucky so it was pretty it was a pretty nice happy new year's how about yourself yeah my holidays were good I spent it hanging out with my uh, with my toy poodle playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 um, which is which is really fun uh, pretending to be a cowboy and then other than that getting ready to do some arranging for my old group and just taking some time after graduation before I kind of jump back into full-time teaching and getting a lot of teaching paperwork done so one thing that's really interesting about today's episode is in case no one's noticed we don't have a guest which is fine because sometimes it's really fun for just Brian and I to talk about our stuff. I would not have talked that long about nothing acapella if we had a guest because I'm always like, okay, so we we got we got to keep it moving. There's an acapella person here waiting for us our to talk. Our guest would have literally signed. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah, not having any just of this today. Just like, all right, well, they've talked about noodles. They talked about dogs and Kentucky and and this this clearly isn't an acapella podcast. <laughs> uh, but one thing that's been on my mind as I get into the new year, I just graduated. Uh, finished student teaching, graduated um, and from grad school, and now I'm feeling like, all right, school's done. In addition to starting teaching, I want to join an acapella group again, which is really, really exciting. I haven't been in one for about six or seven months uh, since I finished my coursework at Colorado State back in May, and now I'm at this point where I'm like scouting groups and trying to figure out what would work. And Brian, you're the best person to talk to about this because uh, you've created a ton of groups, I think twice as many as me, and I have never been in an acapella group, like like a full-time regular acapella group that I did not start. I've been in two, the Timberman and Mountain Horns, and I've never really, I've auditioned for groups I've gotten in, but I usually just create my own. So 
I'm trying to like look for a group. What what are some things that you look for when considering joining a group, Brian? Yes, and I I want to mimic your thoughts on it. I think this is a great topic, especially with it being the beginning of the year. So many groups are doing this kind of they do auditions, uh, you know, after yeah. the winter break, and it's a perfect time to really be looking into this. So, for me personally, there are multiple factors that really go into this, and I okay. imagine you know it's going to be different for each person. But for me mm-hmm. personally, um, the, the first thing it comes down to is you know what exactly am I looking for? So, and it also depends mm-hmm. on you know where you're at in your life. So for me, my goals, uh, what I'd be looking for if I was in college would be vastly different than what I'd be looking for outside. That's a really good point. Um, I think yeah, it, you yeah. know, in a semi-pro group. So um, I don't know. I guess if I had to kind of play both sides here, I'd be looking at uh, interests uh, in regards to what type of music am I looking to sing? Because there are mm-hmm. tons of groups. There's like uh, religious-based groups. There are groups that just like to do cover songs. There are groups that even like to just do original music at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to kind of do your research and do your homework. If you're not starting a group, really look into that group. Go watch tons of their videos if you're going to be auditioning for that group. Mm-hmm. See what they're all about. Um, you know, what's also important, and you know, if we're just being honest, look at their skill level at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I yeah. don't know how many people really consider that they go in there and they see a group and they're like, okay, they're singing some songs I like, but are they singing it at the level that, you know, you... Are they singing in tune? Exactly. Yeah, stuff like that. That's such a good point about like figure out what you're looking for because you're at a different spot in college and in grad school. I was, I was one just looking for an acapella group just to quote unquote do acapella. But on a deeper level, I was looking for somewhere I could grow as a music educator because I needed, I wanted to build my skills. I wanted to eventually direct a group and figure out like kind of use it as a kind of almost low risk training ground to hone my skills as a music educator and that stuff paid off very well i developed some skills that i wouldn't have gotten had i not joined an acapella group or started groups but now having you know kind of gone through the ring or done the whole music education major and masters and all that fun stuff i'm not looking for that as much because i've done it already so now i'm more looking i just want to go and have fun and i obviously had fun doing those groups um timberman and mounthorns but it was still a pursuit that was partly in, at least in some part, focused on building, growing as a music educator and like, how do I run a group? How do I figure all this stuff out? Because that'll give me so much experience for when I teach a choir. I don't I don't need to do that now because I'm actually going to go try and teach choir. So the idea of looking for a group just for fun or at least without this like kind of core part of what I looked at groups for, this core of trying to be a music educator, trying to find a place to do that. Now I'm, I'm kind of almost like rediscovering like, okay, well, what do I want in a group? I think it's mainly, I mean, again, the simple, just, I want to go and sing. That's really fun. Right. I think something that does plenty of different genres, one that's not too locked in to any one area and one that definitely can serve as a social outlet mm. because I am 26. I am back in my hometown of Portland, Oregon. And now I have a bunch of great friends here, but I want to get out there and like, just kind of, you know, do the young person thing <laughs> and meet people. And I, I, so I don't want to join like a quartet of all guys. And I don't want to join a giant chorus of, you know, 140 people necessarily. I want to join something where I can bond as a group, but still open up social avenues. Have you ever been in that position, Brian? I think I've been in, well, let me, let me phrase it like this. I've, a lot of the groups that I've been in are actually, I think most of them have been a really socially cohesive group. So I've never had Mm -hmm. to really 
have that internal struggle in regards to, you know, what I'm looking for. And I, and I love uh-huh. that you brought up that, that social part because it's something like I know internally it's what I look for, but it's nothing I ever like literally bring to the forefront of my mind. Yeah. And I think it's super important because, and you know, it's so easy just to get hung up on acapella, you know, contemporary acapella and what the college groups are doing and things like that. But, you know, uh-huh. you, you just mentioned, you know, the chorus groups, the barbershop groups, you know, those dynamics are going to be drastically different than all these other ones. So yep. for me, I, I have had that experience with the, the social part. And some groups it's been, you know, we've had to really work and develop on, hey, we have to make this a really key aspect of our group because we realize our mm-hmm. group suffers, our group hurts when we don't have that social aspect, when people are just coming yeah. and we're constantly beating into their mind, you know, music first, uh, we have to be on the top of our game and we every performance has to be flawless. You know, it, it kind of diminishes the experience a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's not as fulfilling. Exactly. And so I think the social part is super important. And then I think as the years just went on, it was just more of a big, big emphasis for me. It was more on, mm-hmm. hey, it's not just I'm thinking about the music. It's how am I bonding with these people that I'm I'm giving up so much of my time for at the end of the day. So yeah. I think it's super important that you bring that up. Yeah, I th- and this is something that I touched on a little or that I learned a lot about in student teaching in that I would have very like kind of not strict, but very like kind of focused lesson plans of I want to hit this piece and this piece and this piece. And that was, and my teacher was like, yeah, you need to, you need to work on this. You need to make sure you know exactly what you're doing. But then we had this um, discussion in, I think it was the freshman treble group that I, that I kind of took over for a couple weeks where we were doing a piece and we were kind of connecting with it. And we decided to, I decided to play them a recording of a really good group singing the piece. And they, and they were actually a very, very good group, but like an advanced professional ensemble singing this piece that they weren't quite connecting with. And then it opened up this big discussion about artistry, about connecting with the music. And I, and we had a good discussion and then I was like, all right, now we get back to the music making. And my teacher afterwards was like, you should let them take that, like keep going yeah. with it. Cause like you should let them have that moment and encourage it and it's okay if it takes away from your plan a little bit because it's going to kind of reinforce them emotionally and give them more connection to everything you're doing and she was like let that like let that discussion go on longer next time and i think that's a direct parallel to the to the social element if you come in and you're only like we do these five songs and we spend 20 minutes here 25 minutes here and are too mechanical about it you lose the personality mm-hmm. and the music will suffer because one if I mean, yeah, the music will suffer if there isn't a kind of spontaneous interpersonal connection with it, because music is inherently interpersonal. If you take the if you try to take the interpersonal aspect out of the actual rehearsing process, then it's really going to come through in the music. Mm. And that's something I've had to definitely like kind of pull back on sometimes like, all right, it's OK if maybe people are a little late because they all went out to pizza and they were bonding <laughs> or something. Or if we want to have this stupid, stupid inside joke that keeps coming back up it bonded us i know in mountain horns we had a lot of dumb inside jokes that would come up a lot but i always thought they were really funny and i felt more connected to the singers and when there wasn't that kind of distance as which i sometimes engender in terms of like music 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 but when we were closer because of that social element because we talked about the interpersonal stuff and kind of lived it then everything fell into place so much easier yeah and and you made me think about something because you were talking about, um, you know, the past uh, director that you had that is just encouraging, you know, the yeah. 
how do you phrase it exactly? Just the group to kind of be who they need to be in order to develop. And it just made me think about, you know, that's another key thing to look for, you know, is the group that you're looking to uh, become a part of, you know, how, how are they structured? You know, what is the leadership yeah. like? Is it um, something that you're, that you can see that people are butting heads with? Is it something you see that is there like a dictatorship? Is it one that you're going to be able to come in and everything just feels cohesive? Mm-hmm. I think that's super important because I think back Definitely. to um, past auditions with my college group. And, you know, it took us a while to really get the hang of things and how we wanted things to be structured and everything like that. But I just remember towards like it was either my last year in the group or the second to last year we were running auditions and it finally dawned upon us, you know, we should have someone out making sure that people. I remember you mentioned yeah. this. This was so, I, I thought that was so smart. Exactly. Yeah. We should have someone out there making sure everyone's comfortable and things like that. And I think as an auditionee, you know, or auditioner, sorry. You come in and you want to be able to see instantly, you know, is this something I'm going to enjoy? And that's super mm-hmm. important because if you get in the group and you're just, it, it's not until later on that you get into the group and you realize, hey, this isn't really where I want to be at the end of the day. And this is going to be a kind of group that restricts me instead of propels me into being the best musician while simultaneously allowing me to have the most fun I could possibly have. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just going to be a bad experience at the end of the day. Absolutely. I think I, I remember when you told me that, I think that was on your first or second episode. And I thought that was so smart because even if maybe the, it's not the best fit for whoever comes in and auditions for your group, you are portraying yourselves as an outgoing, mm-hmm. accepting, inclusive group that isn't, that's taking a very, almost kind of mechanical or even, you know, kind of cutthroat process of auditions, which can be, if you don't do it right, can be a little too like, okay, you do this, you do this. It can be a little too impersonal Mm -hmm. and making it an intrapersonal thing or an interpersonal thing where you're trying to connect with people. And that's, again, that's going to make them do better musically, but it's also just going to show that you're a group that cares about their singers and cares about how the singers relate to each other. I know, I in the few auditions I've done for groups outside of ones I've started, I don't think I ever had that where someone came out and like checked and and saw how they were doing. And I think uh, as I kind of get ready to start applying for you know jobs for uh, being a choir teacher at the middle school or high school level, I think that's something I definitely want to take mm-hmm. into into my career of like I, I know I'll likely be the only music teacher or only choir teacher wherever I go to teach but having someone out there or maybe another professional who's sitting in on the audition like just check on the kids because auditions can be so restricting and so scary that when you guys consciously try to make that more inviting that makes it seem like a group I would want to join and the other thing you said Brian that I really thought about was you're talking about trying to figure out how a group works and how it functions in terms of leadership and the model that is that's so hard to figure out like mm-hmm. how that works and i'm i'm trying to figure out like what's a good way because you're right in that i would love to go sit in on rehearsals but that's not a super common thing unless you're i don't know like a visiting freshman at a, at a university i'm trying to think what's a good way to figure out like the inner workings of the group or at least as much as you can about how it functions before you commit or even before you audition yeah and i, I think probably a lot of that is going to come and i want to say it just initially comes when you first just spend the first few minutes of the group it, it won't I think mm-hmm. the part that you're going to see a lot of the value is if you're able to make it to the callback round. And I'm just speaking a lot from mm-hmm. experience because I think that's true. I think we were able to start feeling really comfortable and really start to show a lot of personality. And you're 
kind of forced to show personality during that callback phase. It's not initially for me during that first part because during auditions, you're just you're, you're getting a brief 30 second with the someone. Yeah. You're just snapshot. Exactly. You're coming in, you're you're saying your name, you're doing, you know, one or two tests, kind of vocal tests, and then you're singing a solo typically is how I hear a lot of groups do yeah. it. And then you're out the door and, you know, and that's just a gauge. Can you actually sing? Can you read music? It's the first hurdle. Exactly. Totally. And so I think where you really get your value is during that callback phase, because then you're really having a hands-on interactive experience with the group. Yeah. And it's almost like a rehearsal it is. and seeing how you all work together. Exactly. And that's, I think that's how groups should be really treating it because you want to see, can these people fit and with what we're doing in, on a regular given day. But even more importantly for that auditioner coming in, it's that time to have your eyes wide open and be and pay mm -hmm. attention you know, how is the music director, if that's the person leading the callbacks, how are they instructing me? Are they capable of communicating in various ways to all these different people around me? Are they making me feel comfortable? Are they kind of putting me down if I miss something? Or, or are they just all really quiet and just writing notes? Is anyone, you uh -huh. know, is it lighthearted? There's just so much you can pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, that's absolutely. I went, I'm also kind of looking into joining just a regular choir right now, in addition to an acapella group. And one of the things I'm looking for is like, what can I learn from this mm -hmm. director? Cause I'm, you know, I'm going out there. This is, I'm not, I don't have as much of a music ed bent as I used to in trying to join a choir because now I'm just looking for someplace I can go sing. But I'm consciously looking like, what's yeah. the feel of this group? How does the director relate to their uh, ensembles? And I'm looking at a couple right now, and that's definitely one of the things. Like, how is this director talking to the singers? How are the singers interacting with each other? And I think you're totally right about the callback phase because that is, again, like you kind of put it, it's already almost a rehearsal, and you're seeing how people interact. And I know one of the things we would do before callbacks that I've seen some people do is you like you ask after you do the actual audition part for the for the first phase, we would have like a silly question on the questionnaire or on the form they would fill out. And ours was like, what's your favorite Pokemon? <laughs> and I've talked about this on the show before. And that was not because by any means they could put whatever and I wasn't going to you know, like say any, it wasn't getting anything bad, but it gave me a sense to feel the people out just initially. We had one guy, uh, his name was Blaine. He was a great tenor. And he wrote on his, for, I was like favorite Pokemon. He wrote, I actually haven't seen any of the shows or whatnot. I'm sorry, exclamation point. And it showed me like, this guy is super polite and he is focused and he's on top of it. And that gave me a good feeling. And then in the callback phase where you do get that more social element i was able to kind of see even mm -hmm. more of that and same thing i got with um there's another singer who came in and he joined the group too and he like wrote down like two or three pokemon and then even though he, he was more mm -hmm. reserved but now i had an in with him because we had a similar pokemon interest and now i could talk about oh you like that one well i like this and even though he was more quiet in the actual audition I then had something I could talk yeah. to him about both during the first audition and then build upon in the callbacks. And I think I think finding those little things, whether it's a questionnaire or putting someone out in the in the kind of waiting area, essentially, when you're calling people in, both of those things make our jobs a lot easier when we're auditioning people of just who are these people and will they fit in? And you just try to get as much information as you can because I think I've seen some audition forms where they just like ask you a bunch of questions and you can't yes there's a little bit you want to get but they ask you questions like what's your favorite part about music or what do you think is the most rewarding thing about performing how much do you want to be in this ensemble stuff like that and those are kind of an old school choir thing 
and you just get so much more from actually figuring out who these people are and then how they will fit in with your group. And for me, kind of looking at this from the reverse of what are people going to be doing to me when I go Mm -hmm. in audition, I think is really cool. And knowing how these processes work, I'm almost going to try and like kind of reverse do it in a way and just try and figure out as much as I can about the group in these little moments during the audition process or the meet and greet or the, all these kind of social moments where I can figure out as much as I can. So I can make a better decision about what group yeah, I want to join. I'm fascinated by that because you, you, a lot of things that you're mentioning in regards to, you know, the kind of more, I don't, I don't know if it, you say they're humorous or comical, but just those laid back things that you guys are used to doing to make the audition process. Oh, I love like, that. We didn't really think a lot about that. You know, they kind of just happen organically at the end of the day. And I'm always fascinated when I hear you talk about, you know, the dynamic of your group, because my group, you know, we just kind of stumbled upon that stuff rather than we actually planned mm-hmm. it out. So, you know, how, how much of that is, you know, what's, how did that balance really work out for you guys? Is it, you know, how did you come up with those concepts? You know, is it something that you were just really trying to make auditioners feel more comfortable yeah. or is it really just like, Hey, this is the, personalities we want to build into the group or this is the way we want things to be structured or yeah totally well there's it's it's tricky because uh having done two groups and we did i did i started both groups differently for temperament my undergrad group it was just i just invited people to sing i just joined like hey you come in let's start this group but when we did auditions for that we would i heard of the other large group on campus using like i think they asked them they didn't write it out on their form but they asked them like what's your favorite plane and then they would just like you know and and no one because i think one of their guys was really into aviation and there weren't like great answers no one was like oh a b-52 bomber it was it was just to like kind of be funny and the group was a more that I got the idea I got this from. They were a more laid back group. They were a little sillier, a little more focused on interpersonal stuff than like musical excellence mm. sometimes. But man, they they got a good feel for who everyone was who was coming into that group. And I was I just was like, all right, I want to do that. And then I took that for Timberman and I used that in the audition process and and that worked really well. I remember when Greg Starr, uh, who I will just like to say, congratulations, Greg, on wow, your engagement. Uh, Greg is our, I know everyone's <laughs> getting married now man uh greg who's our producer on the show he recently got engaged um to his lovely girlfriend i'm very happy for him but i remember when he came and auditioned for me and i was just like i could already tell he was a great singer and i had heard through the grapevine that he was a stellar musician so if if greg's listening which he probably is like greg you were in before you were in so the secret revealed but i was just trying to feel him out like who is this guy what's his thing and using those kind of silly questions i think we found out we both liked video games or we both had a common interest in that way and then I felt more comfortable even though I knew musically he'd be great I felt even more comfortable putting him in the group because uh, especially in a four-person group or five-person group because we could have something we could bond over that was super important but then the other side of it with mountain horns at CSU I originally I tried to do the same thing with uh, mountain horns that I did with Timberman five-person group I just invite people in and then that really didn't work out so the first like kind of year I really did it we did auditions and it was kind of a different way of doing, I mean, I did the audition process pretty standard how we talked about it, but during the callbacks, I was, cause I was the only person there. I would, they were all auditioning to be in this group that didn't mm-hmm. exist yet. And it was this very fascinating moment of, I am like, I'm one, I'm auditioning. I was auditioning like 15 guys were at callbacks for like 10 or mm-hmm. 12 spots. And it was not just because 
because there was only me. It was not people feeling each other out and mm. getting along and trying to feel it. It was literally me looking at people and saying, who not only musically, but how do, out of everyone here, who deserves to be in the group and who is going to make the healthiest group mm. socially? And I looked for that. Like, okay, there was like four or five people who were really close friends, but it was this very kind of surreal moment that I don't think will happen again where instead of trying to figure out if someone fits an ensemble, trying to figure out what the ensemble was going to be based on basically on the raw singers and people oh, wow. I had there. It was really rewarding. Uh, I don't think it'll ever happen again because that's an unusual way of doing things, but it was so cool and rewarding to kind of look at the different possibilities of what the group could be depending on who I put in. And I think the people who ended up joining, uh, they were all very committed singers, so they had that. And then the, the group bonded very, very well over the year because besides just like good practice, in the group I was definitely very conscious of how are people interacting with each other in this space right now and what is going to make the most successful ensemble yeah and that's really that was a very long-winded answer (laughs) I apologize I was like well part a 1b you know (laughs) the timber man oh my goodness no it was it was filled with so much though but so much fascination uh, so many it was filled with so many interesting and fascinating things that it just made me think of a lot of things actually it was just like well, that's another that's really cool and really exciting because you can come into the group and you might be looking for something, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, the group could be looking for something. Yeah, they're feeling you out. Exactly. And so I think that's, a you know, you gave me another idea. And like when you're looking to get in a group, you know, it's important to ask questions, see what the group is mm-hmm. looking for, because as you just kind of um, elaborated on, it's just like, hey, what you could possibly bring into the table could be the thing that the group might be trying to structure something around. Mm -hmm. They might be looking to go in a new direction. They might be trying to reinvent themselves and they could be, you know, transforming right in front of your very eyes because, you know, the, the, the need for the people that they're looking for at the end of the day. So, yeah, you want to show as much of yourself as you can. Uh, so they have all these things to make their decision. I remember like the very last audition we did for Timberman, I think I did two or three. It came down to two tenors for the final spot. And both did very, very well. And it was a hard decision. And I went with, one of them was kind of late to the audition, which and didn't know when he was supposed to be there. Still a great singer, great guy. The other one was there on time, looked me in the eye and shook my hand. And I was like, we got to go with this guy. Like, (laughs) this is a professional. And he was so engaging on stage as a person. And because of that guy, I think that group bond, because we were already four people and then we were looking for a fifth. So we were really just auditioning one person Mm -hmm. for that semester. And he completed it so well because he just showed off who he was as a person so well in his audition. And I think that's what we're kind of getting into here as we're talking about auditionings and me looking for groups, like just the social feeling because the musical stuff, like we've gone through that. We know how to do, you know, oh, you do these range activities or you do, you figure out how they can tune this, but we're just kind of figuring out the interpersonal stuff because I think even if you get all the best singers, as, as my old mentor told me, the best choirs are, um, aren't made by the best singers. They're made by like mm-hmm. the people that work the best together. And I think that's what we're all, what we're kind of figuring out today is like, how can people on both sides, people like me who am, are going to go audition for groups and people like I've been in the past and you've done, mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel out your potential auditionees so you have the best uh, social experience? And I, I think that's super rewarding. Yeah, and, and I think everything you just said is so super important and we're realizing how super important it is to just bring so much personality from both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. when it comes to auditions. So with that, we're going to take a short break and I'm loving this conversation. We're going to be, yeah, man. We'll be right back. 
Have you had a chance to listen to Competition Countdown? This show is where we feature amazing high school and college acapella groups as they compete in the ICHSAs and ICCAs. The show is hosted by myself, Rachel Schoenbaum, and each segment features five groups as they pursue ACA greatness. Tune in on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, with the rebroadcast on Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. 6 p.m. Pacific. Check it out only on Acaville Radio. And welcome back to Talkapella. So we have been having quite the discussion on what is it that interests us about joining groups? You know, what are the things that appeal to us? What should we be looking for as you're looking to get involved in acapella? And it has brought up so many topics and so much value and depth. And I'm curious now that we've been talking out of this, you know, something that- I feel like we're on a dating show <laughs> and it's like contestant number one, two, and three. Like this acapella group has a performance at the, the concert hall, but this one has a record deal and i'm just like i'm sitting here like the the bachelor or the bachelorette trying to figure oh, out which goodness. one i think there's only like two or three groups in portland so i'm not gonna have, you know <laughs> not gonna have a full list that might be a great idea for a new acapella reality show. oh man we've been talking about we talked about acapella tv with jonathan minkoff like this new one is all about like dating or dude there should be like an acapella tinder oh, where you like, swipe left or it right this is it would be, yeah, for... I know. Hey, acapella people like, really like other acapella people, so... Hey. That's, that's a really good point. Okay, <laughs> anyway, continue, anyway, Brian. Sorry before I interrupted you with my... my... <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, it, it's kind of brought up a, a thought in my mind because while it's important to know what it is that you're looking for when you're going about trying to find a new group, you know, something that, you know, we don't typically discuss is, well, what happens once you get in a group and you realize the group isn't for you? So I'm curious, John, have you had any experiences come to mind with that or, you know, any thoughts initially? You know, I don't think I've ever been in an ensemble where initially, like after like the first few weeks, I was like, oh, wow, this is not good. Because I've, again, the two groups I've been in, I started Timberman and Mountain but I remember being in a choir in my sophomore and junior year of high school is a community choir that I thought was, you know, very nice, totally serviceable, led by a great musician. And I really liked it the first year more just because I wanted to be in a community choir than because I wanted to be in that community choir. Mm -hmm. And then I started building my skills and got myself to a level where I was like, okay, I'm like, I am a lot better than I was two years ago. I have grown as both a musician and a person. And I realized I, I began hearing about the other like big community choir in the area that uh, near the end of my junior year and hearing about all the opportunities they had. They had like four or five different ensembles within within the high school. They had like a tenor bass group, a soprano alto group, a main group, an audition group, mm -hmm. all within a community choir. And even though I'd been in this ensemble for two years, I realized that in terms of the opportunities it was offering, after I realized this was like, cause I joined before I knew I wanted to be a choir teacher. And then during the process I realized, oh, I want to teach choir. And then seeing what this other ensemble that I wasn't in had to offer, I realized like, oh, I'm going to do a lot better if I switch over to this ensemble. Mm -hmm. And transitioning out of that choir was was tricky because it was a choir that it was smaller, so everyone was kind of tight-knit. It definitely felt a little bit like leaving a family, but I knew it was the right decision. And Frank, and I now know is definitely the right decision because the choir I ended up joining, Pacific Youth Choir, mm -hmm. I now assistant direct the tenor bass ensemble what? every week wow. there. So like, and I've done that and the director there is was my voice teacher for like a long time has been a long-term mentor his son we both assistant directed we're like best friends duncan he was on a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago so we both do it 
together. And I'm glad I made that transition, even though like I couldn't have known, oh yeah, in 10 years, literally like 10 years, eight years later, I will have an opportunity to assistant direct one of these ensembles. I didn't know that, but I knew at the time um, I was already kind of whatever about the the group I was initially in going into my second year in it in my junior year. And then the coinciding of this one's not going so great. And this one looks very, very appealing for senior year. Um, it, it made me take the leap. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was almost being a little impersonal of like, what's going to get me the next step forward. Um, and also the thing that, that comes to my mind a lot is if I'm not having a great time in this ensemble, then I'm probably not putting forth my best work. Yeah. And that's not that's true. great for everybody else. I've never been in an acapella group where I was like, nah, this isn't for me. Um, because it'd be kind of weird if I started a group and then was like, yeah, this isn't really my vibe. <laughs> no, to change my mind. Uh, I'm just going to give up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Brian, have you ever been in that situation where you joined a group and then you realized like, mm, not, not for me, maybe, you know, may gotten to the jumped into this too quickly. Maybe got to transition out. Cause I have friends who have done that. And I think episode like 10 of Tacapella for anyone's uh, keeping track. We're on episode like 72 right now, 73. And like episode 10, I talked with my friend Aubrey about how she joined one group, realized it was not for her left. And this was all on the same campus, mm-hmm. uh, left that group, joined the other one. And that was oh, awkward man. for her. But have you ever been in that situation, man? Um, You know what? I think for me, I've had the, the very atypical experience just because, you know, firsthand, no, I have never really done that i'm like there's been a few groups that you know i kind of realized that as i after audition that "Mm, it's not really for me but i've never Mm -hmm. really joined a group and then you know decided it wasn't because i'm one of those people you know if i join something i will stick it out until you know it just becomes Mm -hmm. unbearable even if it's not the funnest thing but where i where where i'm going with that is when i say a typical experience is a lot of the times when I join a group or am starting a group, it's because there aren't many other groups around, if any. Mm, so I filling a void. Exactly. Yeah. And where I think a lot of people have those experiences, they'll get in a group and, you know, they'll do it for a little while, but then they get glimpses of what other groups nearby are. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I have heard a lot of those experiences and they're just like, oh, that that seems a lot cooler. That seems like me. Um, so I have not had that, but I have been fortunate or I guess you would say unfortunate to see that in groups I've been in because I've seen people come in and they'll probably stick it out for one or two rehearsals and then, you know, they just ghost you, you know, they just, Oh, I hate that. I hate ghosting so much. I know. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I just prefer, you know, just to be upfront, you know, just say, Hey, I'm not feeling it. This isn't for me. It's not what I was expecting at the end of the day. And yet, you know what? There's sometimes, you know, you just won't know until after you have given it, you know, the necessary amount of time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's okay. You know, as a someone who started groups and been the leader of groups, I'd much rather prefer uh, prefer someone come and be like, hey, this isn't for me because you know what? Chances are there was some uh, someone else out there yep. that I was on the fence about. And now it just gives me the confirmation of, hey, okay, now I need to put that other person in the group because this person decided this wasn't for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's totally fair. And I remember you said something that really reminded me of that episode I was talking about with with my friend Aubrey, one of my best friends. uh, And she I remember because I was a year above her and then she was coming in and I had already kind of known 
uh, the three groups on campus and she auditioned for the two. She auditioned for the mixed group and the soprano alto group, the, at that time, the all women's group. And I remember she, I guess how auditions worked out. She basically had to commit. She auditioned for the mixed group earlier because they had their auditions earlier. So she had to commit to them earlier because I think they had an earlier deadline for like you're in, you do it or you don't do it. And her thing was like, you know, I'm just happy to be in a group. Uh, And that's, and I think that's what a lot of people do. They, even if they, because they haven't been in a group, they don't know exactly what they like and don't like about acapella sometimes. So for her, it was like, yeah, I just want to be in a group right now. And that totally satisfied her for a semester. And then she saw the other group, the soprano alto group and realized, oh, that's more my speed because now I've gotten like my bearings. It's Mm -hmm. like. Uh, here I'm, I'm gonna try and use a really weird metaphor here but it's like if i'm having sushi for the first time i just want to have sushi mm-hmm. but then i realize like i just want to have like your standard california roll or whatever mm-hmm. but then i see the shrimp tempura over there and like i've had like you've taken your first step and you haven't like you don't understand the like almost specialization of it you just want to get your feet wet and now you realize oh Obviously, I like this whole thing, but that looks even better. Now that I've taken the time to figure out how much I do like sushi, this metaphor doesn't really work. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, it took me but a second, but I got it. I got where you were headed. But it's, <laughs> it's like you need to get – you. there is something about you might not know the group that is best for you until you've been in a group. And I think that's why I really wanted to talk about this today because I've been in a lot of groups. I've been in a lot of choral ensembles, so I know what I really want, but the process of figuring it out or the process of how I make that selection, just I haven't done it before, which is why I want to talk to you about it, Brian. But I think this makes sense of you might just join a group because it's the one right in front of you and you're like, okay, I can be in a group. So I I, I guess I'll do that one because they offered me first and, and I still want to be in a group and, and that's what I want. But then after you have some time in it, you figure out, oh, wait, now that I know the group better and I know my own interests better, mm-hmm. now I take the steps forward to figure out what's what's best for me. The question is then, how do you go about leaving a group? <laughs> yeah, and with that, I'm like, you bring up a good point because I'm, I'm just thinking about there's such a huge learning curve when it comes to acapella because chances are, at least for our generation, maybe not so much as the younger generation because there are tons of high school groups now. Chances are people around our age, you know, they only had, you know, choirs and high yeah. school, you know, or middle school. They only had the, the really strict choral music or just the one type of choral music, I shouldn't say straight but just the no but that's it's it's you they're generally people I, at least in my experience in the pacific northwest and i think you're totally right people do choir mm-hmm. and then they come to college and then they do choir and acapella yeah. or they just do acapella exactly. they don't come in like the kids are today often with like two years of being in a group that's gone to the ICHSAs. Mm-hmm. The, are the people we auditioned were the people who i yep i did choir for four years in high school that's my experience. Yeah, and it wasn't for for me personally. It was on the very back end of the group that we started have people come in and they they were like, "Hey, I have acapella experience," and I was like, "What? How do you have acapella experience? No one in our current <laughs> isn't that only for eighteen and <laughs> up? Like, exactly. I'm, I'm just... like, wait, did you just transfer <laughs> colleges? And they're like, "No, I'm a freshman," and it's just because you know all of us older members in the group, we grew up just doing choir and stuff. So, you know, there is a huge learning curve. And part of it is like you're saying, you have to figure out, you know, what it is you like. And you're only going to do that by, you know, starting out by trying something initially. And once you once you've done that, then I would say, you know, take take the chances or take the risk 
after that once you get a, a feel for it because you know it might just be you know comfort it might be an adjustment period at the end of the day yeah and i think with kind of choosing a group like this I had this class in high school where the final, it was a communications class, the final was doing a job interview. And the teacher, because he was a teacher, he interviewed at schools and he was telling us about his time doing job interviews and how for teachers, he framed it, it's much less of a, I'm going somewhere and you're going to tell me if I'm good or not, but Mm -hmm. a discussion about what fits, what will work. And he talked about a job interview he had where you know he applied for the job and wanted it and then it was kind of a discussion between him and the principal the principal offered him in the job and as they kept talking he said no because mm. he just realized it wasn't the right fit and it was a and i've i have been in that situation where i've seen something and then i haven't done it usually right then and there but i realized oh this isn't right for me but it was so much easier for him to make that decision because it was a back and forth conversation. It wasn't just, I submit a form and I get a yes or a no without any understanding. You can mm. ask questions about, well, like what does this, how does this school handle issues of social justice? How do you handle assessment? How do you use student data? Like all of these things, those are questions you ask in an interview. And I think it's really, I've always wanted there. My ideal acapella audition is the standard two steps that I feel a lot of people follow, which is, you know, the initial audition, you check the range, they do a solo. Mm-hmm. The second callback where you do, you have, them learn a piece and you sight read a little and you see how they fit vocally within the ensemble and right. i'd love a third part where you do almost like an interview thing not not you mm. wouldn't call it an interview but like where you just sit down and talk about like well what do you want out of an acapella group yeah. and i was really lucky in that i had the opportunity to sit down with all the people who auditioned for mountain horns when they first came in and we i talked with all of them what do you want out of the group and pretty much all of them were like we want to be big on campus we want to be mm-hmm. well known and we want people to know who we are and become a fully established ensemble so that made even though there was growing pains the first semester of being a first group because we all had the same goal it was much much easier um for us to like work towards that and i think it'd be so cool if groups did like a thing where you have an opportunity to speak frankly with auditionees so they can you can ask them questions and they can ask you questions about how the group works and how they mm-hmm. could potentially fit in or how things may or may not work out for them in the ensemble so you're both getting like a sense of each other because again besides going and watching a group and doing the callbacks there's still you still don't get a ton of info on the inner workings or the identity of the group when you don't have the opportunity to sit down and like really talk it out with someone or someone in the group. And I think that'd be such a cool thing. It is like, there's a lot to that. That's three, that's a three-step process there for an audition, but I think it'd be super cool. And I think it'd result in people feeling more comfortable about the groups they join and people like committing harder, not harder to them, but more like confidently, like, yeah, I ta- I auditioned for this group. I like the music they're doing and I have a I know what their philosophy statement is. I know what the plan for the semester is because I had a chance to sit down with a member and really hash it out. Yeah, so John, I- I'm upset with you because right okay. now you are giving me all these knowledge bombs and I'm not in the I'm so right sorry. Now. I can't I want to use this stuff. Okay, so let's now. so now you should go join a group in your area and then incorporate this into it. So maybe that's cool. maybe Brian, you and Laura need to pack up and just move it out to Oregon and we're all like we'll join our groups and we'll or we'll start a group and then we'll use these procedures and it's going to be great. It's it's super tempting right now. I'm like I'm really ready to pack my bags right now because I think we can make some <laughs> magical happen right oh we could we could this is it's like um oh god it's 
Uh, it's it's a love story just for acapella, just separated by distance, so it can never come true. I know, and uh, and you know, just to kind of just to kind of re-emphasize what you were you're talking about, I I just love that aspect, and it's something like you know we really didn't give much thought to it in my past. I didn't give much thought to it, but I didn't it, either. I've never done this. Yeah. I I just talked with people, but it was never part of the audition process right. because no one thinks of this. Exactly. And it's just like as much effort as we're putting into getting to know the musician equal amount mm-hmm. should be put into getting to know the person. Because, or more, or, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Because you look at all these people, most people, college people are going to be, you know, a three or four year commitment. And mm-hmm. older groups, semi-pro groups, post-collegiate groups, you know, it might even be longer at the end of the yeah. day. So it's a, a second family. It's a second, it's like a second job. It's it's so many things that are beyond something I'm going to do as a one-off. Yeah, it's not just like I go to this thing every Friday night. It is, no, this becomes like, who, honestly, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when I rushed uh, fraternity, mm. fraternity rush, uh, when I rushed Sigma Alpha Epsilon and at the University of Puget Sound, loved loved my time in SAE, and I just kind of stumbled into it. I guess mm-hmm. I was like, they talked about me and they offered me a bit or whatever, and I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't even realize I had joined, but mm-hmm. having been on the other side of it, like kind of scoping out people like who it's all about this. It's all about kind of just trying to figure out who fits in as a person yeah. and figuring out like, Oh, this is someone who's one of my best friends. Um, I have a really good friend of mine who didn't ever join a fraternity. And then he joined his senior year. Um, Cause I was like, guys, this is our kind of guy. And he fits in with us really well. Mm-hmm. And they just got to know him and they had conversations. They got to, they sat down with him, had discussions, figure out what he wanted. And it feels like what we're kind of hope like, would be really great is if we can take almost this kind of fraternity rush, not in a like a hazing or a negative way, oh, no. but just the yeah. trying to get each trying to understand each other interpersonally. I think that is exactly what acapella auditions can use. And I think it's um I think it's a very healthy practice to try and look at someone, not necessarily like rank them in terms of how much you like them, but just get a good understanding of how well you click with them. When I was like, hmm, I think Tacapella needs a co-host. I looked at all of the guests and I was like, Brian sticks out to me because we had great episodes. We had good chemistry. And then we had that discussion of like, well, what do you kind of want out of this? How would it work? And we went through all these steps and now we have like a good product because of that. And I think putting these steps and incorporating the these more like standardized but still interpersonal steps into an acapella audition process is going to make everyone feel so much more comfortable rather than, wow, we put that great singer in, but I don't know if he's nice or not. Hopefully he works out. Like mm-hmm. we, we can eliminate that trepidation and just be really confident about this is a great person and a great singer and they absolutely should be in this group. Exactly. And, you know, it's a lot of times we in acapella world think we're just like so segmented, but a lot of things that we can pull in to make greater just from other things that we're already doing in life. Like you said, yeah. you mentioned, you know, the fraternity thing and, you know, I, I can relate to that. I was in a fraternity myself and we tried to incorporate oh, wow. certain yeah. things. And I know we, and it's, it's interesting how much I'm learning about you, but, um, <laughs> yeah, there, wait, what fraternity were you in? I was actually in Theta Chi. Uh, okay. Yeah. We didn't have any of those. We didn't have anyone. So I think you're probably the only Theta Chi I know. So you have just cemented Theta Chi is in a good way nice. in my mind. So Spread, that's, that's great. Word about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's so important to, you know, pull from what you know, pull from what you like, pull from, you know, what you've experienced at the end of the day. And that's what mm-hmm. it comes down to 
when it comes to finding something you want to be committed to, something you want to be passionate about, something you want to enjoy. It's all about, you know, what what other aspects of my life do I find enjoyment from? And does this thing give me yeah that transfer? Feeling? Yeah, do they transfer? Exactly. At the end of the day. And that's what acapella should be about. If you like if you love music, you know, you want to fit in a group. Does that group have other areas that appeal to me that I'm already maybe already incorporating in my life? Yeah. And I think what you're saying also just really applies, uh, what you're kind of touching on applies to the audition process of, I never thought I could learn something about how to audition people from a fraternity. (laughs) There's a lot of other things I think about uh, how I kind of structure classroom management, like discipline and behavior comes a lot from what I learned about in my like elementary music course. Like it's a very, it's a different way of doing it, but it's one that I personally feel transfers very well into high school. So even though they're both music, it was something that was still separate And it, by opening up, being open to like looking at different ways of doing things, different activities, different processes that other, even non-music things follow. I think acapella Mm -hmm. can just continue honing its procedures and the techniques it uses to not only make music, but to just function as an organization. Exactly. I'm like, you just hit it right there on the head with it. I'm like, pull in those other things, especially, you know, it's so easy to look at the things groups are doing now performance wise. And, you know, there's a lot of spoken word in there. There's all these kind of thema- um, thematic, am I saying the word mm-hmm. right? The, yeah. The, thematic and theatrical things. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if I'm yeah. using the right words now. No, yeah, totally. But there's so much to pull from and there's no reason why you shouldn't also be pulling in all this other stuff from the audition process. Totally. And I think, um, just as we wrap up, it makes so much sense for this stuff to integrate into acapella because acapella is usually a very eclectic group. Mm-hmm. Like we had a someone who was a biology major. We had people who were, um, I don't know, I think we had one who like played football. Like it's really easy to like look at all the things people are doing because usually acapella is generally a very diverse thing because it's not just there's there's different skills you can bring to it Mm -hmm. so like look at what everyone else is doing with my buddy uh blaine the one i mentioned auditioned uh he like had some ideas on like just how to like structure not necessarily rehearsals but how to like organize stuff because he had experience with that i can't remember i think he just learned it was something from an internship he did and like Mm. because he had that different experience i felt more comfortable with how he like he met he did some kind of management aspect for the group and there's all like everyone in your group is going to bring unique experiences in and you can use those i think it's really easy to just be like oh our you know or it's really easy to take those and say well how do you do stuff over when you play football or what are the like when you have a behavior issue mm-hmm. on tennis club or something or when <laughs> or in chess team like i i don't know but like to look at how everyone else is doing and try and apply it. Uh, there are a lot of choir directors who swear by John Wooden, who is the basketball coach, uh, I guess, mm. uh, like his book. He wrote, a, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was a thing about discipline and it's like not written for choir at all, but I see so many choir directors be like, oh, you have to read the John Wooden book because oh, wow. it teaches you so much about procedures, not related to choir at all. It's stretched <laughs> in terms of basketball, but they looked outside the box and they made some big steps forward because of that willingness. And I think acapella is even more predisposed to that because of its eclectic nature. And I think, I think we can do some really cool things with that approach. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that's what 
at the end of the day elevates the whole experience of the genre yep. is when they start looking at those other things that you're saying that you didn't even realize there was a correlation at the end of the day. And I similarly, I'm like we had when we were talking about the social aspect of it earlier mm-hmm. and, you know, what the way we only got better at it and why we probably made it, the group a bit more appealing to outside individuals was because we put one of our um, the uh, members in the social role who was a they were part of a sorority. You know, who's yeah. more social than oh, a yeah. bunch of sorority girls totally. at the end of the day. And, you know, they helped us to increase that thing that we were lacking. Because they have some, because they specialized in that. Yeah. And they, it's, you know, I think of it from the reverse side. A lot of the people who were like the music chair in uh, my chapter of SAE were in acapella groups. It makes total mm-hmm. sense. Like, okay, you come from that area. You have a specialization there. And we need someone to fill music stuff. You should do it. Whereas the other side, oh, you come from a very, like, an uh, organization that is focused on being social, used to be the social chair for this. It makes total sense of just kind of, it's a Venn diagram of we both, organizations need similar things. It's okay to look to those other organizations, even if it's outside your field, to, like, bring in skilled people or even just understand those procedures. Man, we could keep going on this for, like, two hours (laughs) because I think we've just, I need a really fun discussion, just kind of a fun breakthrough on, like, hmm, how should we structure groups? I'm upset with myself too now, Brian, because I, I want to just go make another group. I just, I feel <laughs> like, uh, I, feel. I know it's just, it's that, Oh God, there's an episode of SpongeBob where like they, they raise a baby. This, this connects, they raise like a baby clam or whatever. And they have all these hijinks. And at the end, the clam goes off and then Patrick's like, let's have another. Uh, and that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like, all right, what if I just made one more? And, uh, now which is totally in contrast to the beginning of the episode talking about scoping out groups but uh we're gonna take one more quick break and then we're gonna be right back here on talk capella thanks everybody what do the weather colors the 80s hair bands and girl groups have in common these are all themes we've explored on the Acaville radio theme hour hosted by lisa hawkins she picks each week a theme for the hour songs sometimes the theme is over Sometimes it's obscure, but it's always awesome acapella. The Acaville Radio Theme Hour airs weeklies on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune in each week and see if you can figure out that week's theme. And welcome back to Tacapella. It has been a like a boys club today where it's just Brian and I uh, talking about acapella, talking about the interpersonal relationships kind of at the core of acapella and about like scoping out groups and figuring out what kind of groups you want to join, but also how groups look at you and audition processes. Uh, we've covered, we've covered so much in today's episode and it's been a ton of fun, uh, with just the two of us today. So how we end every episode, we ask the guest, but because there are two of us we're and it's just us and there is no guest. We are gonna, I mean, I could pull someone from like off the street maybe and be like, and and just talking to this microphone, do you have any (laughs) ideas for the acapella community? So Brian, what is your piece of advice you want to give to the acapella community today? Hmm. So I might have to give a, a little two-part advice. Okay, so, two parts, okay. So the first part would be take risks. Don't be afraid to take those risks because oftentimes you're not going to know uh, how much something means to you or how cool it could be or how interesting, how life-changing it could be until you just step out and, you know, just grab life by the horns at the end of the day and just, you know, go experience it. And, lo- and that's that just clicks for me so much when it comes to acapella. It's going to be a new endeavor for you. But 
you know, it's worth taking at the end of the day. And my second part of that would be, um, and this is kind of on the opposite spectrum, just because we were talking about people who might get into something and realize it's not for them. Hey, that's totally cool. If you get into acapella into a group and you realize it's not for you, what that means is, Hey, it might be that you need to go find this other vocal group for you. Cause there are so many cool experiences. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many different groups doing so many different things and there is an area that will fit for you at the end of the day so it's okay if you get into one group and realize hey i think this other group might be better for me take that risk and you know just be open and honest with yourself about it so totally that'll be my advice what about you john what advice would you impart (sighs) the piece of advice i always give no matter of what the situation is uh never get in Never get involved in a land war in Asia. If anyone has seen the the Princess Bride, have you seen the Princess Bride, Brian? Only once. Only okay, once. it's it's the scene where they're playing. No, they're not playing chess. They're it's it's the like it's the man in black versus the little guy, and they're talking. It's like a test of intelligence, and he's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you fell. Uh, you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The first is never get involved in a land war in Asia. So that's what I always tell people. So never get involved in a land war in Asia. But for acapella specifically, be okay with being in conflict when you're trying to figure out some of this stuff. I, in terms of finding a group or if you belong in a group, uh, it's really easy to think that conflict is like a state of being ineffective or you're not doing enough. But like sit through that and sift through those feelings. And, and kind of put yourself first in these situations because if you aren't putting yourself first in terms of figuring out what is going to be the best thing for you, you're not going to be the best version of yourself or put forth the best work. So be comfortable with not being certain of things and that'll make sifting through the conflict, whether it is, I want to join that group. I want to join this group. I want to leave this group. I want to do this kind of acapella versus this kind of acapella because there are so many choices. Brian was just saying there's so many different ways you can get your acapella vocal fixed today. Take the time, figure it out, and don't be upset with yourself if the answer doesn't come super, super quickly. Figure it out and it's gonna be worth it. Be okay with be okay with the process that it takes to get to the right answer. I love that. I love that. I might have to uh, frame that quote. Be okay with the process. Oh, I was. I, I think you should great. get framed. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. I, I did get Brian <laughs> a. Uh, I did get Brian a fun little uh, host Christmas present. And now, uh, next year, I'll get you something that frame. Uh, frame. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. And you're going to be like, what? Like, what is this? You're. You're not. It's not going to be addressed for me. You're not going to know what it's related to. Then you'll listen back to this episode. And you realize it's from I'm, me. I know. I- I'm going to get that in the mail. I'm just going to be, what in the world is going on with Yeah, John? like, is, 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 what's, is this some kind of cryptic note? Is he, like, captured? Is this, like, a ransom note, or is this a code? No, I'm like, do I need to decode it? <laughs> oh, no, he's just, he's just being dumb. Okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I know. I did want to take a second, though, to thank you for the one. Oh, yeah, man. Presence. So it was awesome. For those who can't see, John gifted me a pretty cool mic stand. Uh, before this, I was just holding my microphone on every episode. And it worked fine, so, but I was like, Brian, Brian needs a stand. Yeah. Brian Brian should have a stand. And there's a good one. It's a good one on Amazon. Brian, it's been so fun having you as the host for, we're coming up on like, you know, I think you joined uh, late episode, late 50s. We're getting close to episode 75 right now. And we're like chugging our way to number 100. Um, so it's it's been really great having you on. And I always love doing these episodes where it's just the two of us because we can just talk about whatever Pokemon, Joss Whedon, anything completely off topic in regards to acapella 
and then we bring it back. I love it, man. I'm like, because it's so cool. I get to learn so much more about you that I didn't even know, especially <laughs> with all of these cool, insightful quotes you're giving me. So it's uh, much appreciated. Absolutely. Sir. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's super fun episode of Tacapella. We'll be back next week, same place, on Acaville. Brian, if people want to get a hold of you at your new Twitter handle, where can they find you? Dun, dun, dun. So my new Twitter handle, uh, is the Brian Alex so and that good. is Brian with an I. I. I just felt it was time to Bri- change. I, I, I thought Brian A05, it sounds like, or was it Brian underscore A05? No. You oh, it was just yeah. Brian A05? That's pretty good. No, no. Actually, it was underscore. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, it wasn't that good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, no, I still <laughs> oh, thought it was pretty good. I, it sounded like a droid from Star Wars, like like C-3PO, Bri- like BA-05, something like that. It worked, but I'm, I'm a fan of the Brian Alex. That's really, really good. I, I was just lazy before. So it's it it's fine. And then everyone, you can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think of all the stuff we've talked about. We'd love to hear more from our Tacapella listeners. What do you like about joining groups? Uh, How do you choose a group? Is anything we've said today relevant or important to you? Are you dealing with any of these things? We'd love to hear from you. Let us know and you'll see us in the same place. Actually, no, you won't see us. You will hear us because this is a podcast. You will hear us in the same place next week on Acaville Radio, only on Tacapella. And for everything Acapella, please stay tuned.